great summer. Oh, it's been a great summer. How many guys, when you heard Zoe got the switch, you're old enough to think she got beat? Anybody else besides me? Okay. Evidently, a switch is some sort of a game thing or something like that. So Zoe getting the switch is a good thing for, for those of us that are over, you know, 40-ish. So um, I want to say good morning to you. And this is something I've never done before. But in just a moment, I'm going to shift from talking to you to talking to the people that are watching on these two cameras. Today, I'm going to be addressing primarily our online audience. And my thought was that on a holiday weekend, you all would be up north and it's a fairly regular attended Sunday here. So God bless you for coming today. I'm about to ignore you, but I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you're here. I'm going to flip the script just a little bit and say good morning to Pastor Jim and the, the Grand Blank campus. Um, but then I, I just need to talk to parts, the, the members, the pieces of our body that have not yet returned into a, a regular Reattending, reengaging. How many guys? How many guys? You were you were gone for a while. Can I see your hand? You were gone for a while. We all were for three months. So if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying in church. That's okay. Uh, but then you came back in. And remember, I remember the the first day we had like church back in the building. It was a uh, it was a Thursday night worship service, is what it was. And you might have been here or not, but it was a Thursday night worship service. And I remember that that uh, they put up on the screen there was music was building, 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 and it said, "Welcome back to church." And it was like I don't know. People just started to cry. They, there was this moment of, there's a part of me that belongs in a place I haven't been allowed to go to for a variety of reasons in a long time. And, and it's for that reason today, I want to talk to people that have not yet re-engaged. And if you think this is like a, you know, what Freedom Center wants is they want a lot of people. Freedom Center wants a big church. I, I want you to think of it in terms of, from a pastor's perspective, that if I were a parent and I had five kids, I'm busy. The sixth kid doesn't make my life easier. The 12th kid doesn't make my life easier, right? And when, by the time there's like 1,000 or 2,000 people say, hey, that's my pastor. My life isn't actually, isn't actually better in some ways. It's actually harder in some ways. Does that make sense? So I want, I want to, from the very beginning, we are not trying to build a big church. How many of us know that people, whether they come or not, are still a part of Freedom Center Church? But there's something that happens when we re-engage. I'm going to flip the script a little bit because so much of life happens when you're in the right place at the right time, with the right heart. Do you agree with that? Like, I remember the first time I met Dina. I was at work. Trust me, I didn't want to be at work. I was a youth pastor. So my kids were in school all day, and I'm sitting in my office. My pastor said, nine to five, suit and a tie, ready to rock and roll. And I'm like, oh, I, wonderful. I get to sit here with all my kids, and I can't even go hang out with them. They're not allowed to come to the church to hang out with me because I'm a youth pastor. So from nine to five, I'm a pastor. I'm the only pastor on the staff other than the senior pastor. May he rest in peace. And, and it, was a, it was a growing experience for me. But in my suit and tie in my office, I remember just like reading books. I learned how to juggle. I, uh, uh, I learned how to play guitar. I played piano. I learned how to play drums better. Literally, because how many guys know that putting me in a, in a small room and saying, now sit here, is what my mom used to do to punish me. That's not a job. That's not a duty. That's hell. And, and so sit here and behave yourself. Like, it was fine the first 30 seconds. After that, I became bored, you know? And so um, I, I, I remember, though, that, that I was in that place, and Peggy Swain, the pastor's wife, said, Jim, are you here? And I said, yeah. Come on down, I want you to meet somebody. And I walked into the foyer way of New Life Assembly of God and met my wife. I am so glad that I was in the right place at the right time with the right heart. Um, 
I remember we, we were sitting there and, and my pastor walked in and he said, hey, we're going to be leaving and going to the district office and there's going to be a new pastor and what do you want to do next? I want to help you find your next place. And I said, I, I think I might want a senior pastor. And I'm so glad that I said that to my pastor because he started reaching out. I started reaching out and started making resumes. And one day I'm sitting there and the phone rings and it's the board of Fenton Assembly of God. Yes, the F-A-G Church called me. Can we make it like first assembly? Anything, anything besides, you know? And so they called me, and I'm so glad I was in the right place at the right time with the right heart. See, you got to hear me, guys. You have to be there when. You have to be there when. when. You have to be there, wherever there is. When God's blessings are there, you want to be there. And I don't, I don't know everybody is today. I know people are up north. I know the Parkins are up north. I know the Abels are out in Boston. I know, you know, the, uh, Dave Carlton's probably sleeping in because he got in midnight last night from his cancer treatment in California. There's good reasons why people aren't here right now. But there's other reasons that aren't as good. And today I want you, I want you to know something. We have a when and a there where God is bestowing blessings. Come on, can I get a witness? We have a there and a when. And, and guys, by the way, I, I talked to Pastor Josh this morning, like, I don't want to demean live stream or the experience that it is. Live stream is a great thing. If you're watching it right now, you're watching one of the greatest live stream broadcasts in the country. The music is excellent. The camera work is excellent. I mean, just me looking through the camera, Jared. Jared's just a good looking guy. Like, I'm not, I'm not struggling today to look at fat Jared's donuts, right? I'm, I'm not at all. What I'm doing today, though, is I'm simply saying this. There are, it's not that it's, it's some sort of inferior thing. It's that it's an incomplete thing. There's something that happens when we come together and stay connected. Now, Paul wrote letters because he couldn't be there. Peter wrote letters. John wrote letters. Mark wrote the gospel. Why? Because sometimes you can't be there. But, but how many of you guys know you'd rather have Paul in the room teaching Romans than a letter written to the Romans? You'd rather have Peter talking about what it was like to deny Christ but then be restored by him rather than just reading a story that one of his protégés, Mark, wrote. You, you want to be in the room. You want to be there when and King David talked about believers and what happens when they are there. He says this in Psalms 133. He says, How good and pleasant it is. That's the next word. Okay, say it again. How good and pleasant it is when? When God's people live together in unity. It's like it's like precious oil on the head. This anointing oil running down that took Aaron a man and became Aaron, the high priest, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, this anointing, this symbolic spiritual outpouring, down on the collar of his robe, the talits, where, where Jesus was reached out and someone just, I, I know if I just touched the hem of his garment, that's where the anointing oil would fall and would gather in the hem of his garment. When she reached out, she was reaching out, it really in response to what's being said here, just the hem of his garment, just where the, where the anointing is the richest, where there's the most, she reached out and just touched the very bottom of it. Why? Because healing was in his wings. Healing was in the talits of, of the Messiah, right? It it's, it's like, as if the dew of Hermon, this mountain that's covered in dew, so much dew from the water coming off the sea and where the weather patterns go that literally streams flow without rain because of the dew. It's as if the dew of Hermon, that's not a guy, by the way, otherwise this is a strange statement. If the dew of Mount Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, a desert mountain, for there, everybody say there. There the Lord bestows his blessings, even life evermore. There, there. When we are there, God gets to do what God gets to do. And so I, I want you to know something. There's nothing wrong with sitting in your family room at your camper. There's nothing wrong with being where you are right now. There's nothing wrong. But there's something that happens when you are where or there when God shows up. How many of you guys want to be there when? I want to be there when. I, I mean, it's ever, ever like you're going to go to church 
and you didn't, and then you say, how'd church go today? Like, oh, it was the greatest service ever. Remember that happened to you? It was the greatest service. Oh, you should have been there. You know, watch the recording. It won't be nearly as good. But man, I, I was so glad I was there when, two weeks ago, guys, something happened in my life that I, I have seen just literally in a handful of times in my life. A man who's lived 80 years on this earth gave his entire life to Jesus. And, and he was so excited about it that he told all of his friends, all of his family members. I, I said, hey, I understand. He goes, oh, I, I got to tell you, and this isn't like me. I told my best friend, he said, don't laugh at me. But last Sunday, I raised my hand and I gave my life to Jesus. And his friend didn't laugh at him. He started crying with him. So I'm so happy for you, man. I'm so happy. 80 years on this earth, and two Sundays ago, he was there when God was forgiving sins. He was there when God was forgiving sins. Um, the back-to-school event Dina talked about, man, if you were there when that was happening, then you know. You can hear the stories, and stories can kind of transport us through space and time, and we have good imagination. If we didn't, Spielberg would be out of a job, and Jar Jar Binks would be, you know, a, a disease of some sort. Well, I'm not sure he's not, actually, but I, I, the, the stories are good, but being there, seeing what was happening as teachers came to this altar, and a congregation got around, we sang the blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, and their hands are raising, there's tears coming down, some people are just kind of freaked out, like, what did I get myself into here? <laughs> I came to church, church, everybody falls asleep and looks at their watch, and I, yet I've got like hundreds of strangers singing over me and crying, what's going on? And, and if you were there when God was doing that, it makes perfect sense. Such a blessing, such a beautiful thing. Uh, a week ago Thursday, we gathered out on Silver Lake, and, and you know, there was no sign-up for baptisms. If you want to be baptized, come on out. We're having a worship night. But how many guys know it isn't like here, like, it isn't like God comes to this address, but God is where people dwell in unity together in his name. So we gathered out at a friend's property, and we said, okay, anybody wants to be baptized, come on down. And we should have said, anybody who doesn't want to be baptized, like, there were that many people getting baptized. I got into the water. I wasn't sure else was baptizing, but other people asked. Jason gets in the water, takes his shirt off, flexes a little bit. My shirt's sticking to me. He's like, hey, what's that black hole? Like, shut up, man. Do that moo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he struts into the water, and the fish are like, oh, right? And JD gets in the water, and Chris Enderbrock gets in the water, baptizes his whole family, his children, his grandchildren, baptizes them, the patriarch. Man, if you were there when you really got to see something, something amazing, something that brings hope. We graduated a bunch of FCA students. Pastor Jason just grabbed the word of God and just cranked it and bam, and knocks it out of the park. And I remember his opening statement to you guys last week was this. He says, at the end of the service, we're going to have students. They're going to stand across the front of this altar, and they're going to lay hands on you and ask God for miracles in your life. So be prepared for that. And I watched, how many of you guys know that the one good thing that Livestream has is you can fast forward it? What did they do? I watched the altars fill up as people were standing here, like there were lines of people waiting to be prayed over. How many of you guys know you want to be there When? You want to be there when. You want to be there when God pours it out. And I would just say this too. There's something special even when something special doesn't happen. And this is what I mean by this. I watched today as Miss Pat hugged hundreds of complete strangers. And I, there's, a, there's a new family walking. I said, hey, just so you know, that's the church hug lady. Don't walk through that door unless you want a hug. She says, I'll take a hug. And I thought, oh, we found Miss Pat Jr. Like, these two are, they're never going to let go. Like, peanut butter found chocolate, and the Reese's peanut butter cup was born, right? 
It was beautiful. The sounds of the coffee being ground, the smells of espresso being poured out in an excellent way, the kids running. The, the, oh, you got somebody worshiping because I said coffee. Hallelujah. Can we just stop? Halla cappuccino. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's just, we're outside the door and we're laughing and talking in here. Like I'm waiting for like 12 people to show up. That's my expectation. I'm talking to everybody else on, on live stream, but it wasn't 12 people. People were here gathering, talking, clapping, giving each other a hard time. There was laughter. There was, I never met you before. And all of that was happening where God was doing the stuff. And I, I just, I'm not saying again, it, it's a, it's an inferior thing. Never watch live stream again. It's, I'm not saying that any more than never read the letters the apostles wrote us that are now our scriptures. But I would simply say this, I would rather be in the room than read a letter. And I'd rather be there when God does this stuff. Man, opportunities, old friends happening here again. Some things have to happen face-to-face. And I just want to share a couple of things with you that I think is going to be helpful to everybody. Um, Ratings, uh, uh, ranking of Americans' mental health as excellent. So excellent, very good, good, and and take me to the bar. Those Those are like the four... The four things, right? So excellent, good, fair, and poor. And, and they did a study, and let me just show you a couple of things here, starting with gender. Uh, in 2019, so this is December 2019 compared to December of 2020. How many of you guys remember there were some things that happened in 2020 that might affect our mental health? How many of you guys like, I don't remember that. The medication's working wonderfully. Okay. But men, at the beginning of, of 2019, all throughout 2019, 49% said, my mental health is excellent. Women, on the other hand, because they live with men, um, 37% said it's excellent. But look what happened in 2020. They went from 49% to 41%. It dropped eight points. In other words, eight out of every 100 people that was asked this question, is your mental health excellent? Eight less people said yes. And women, 10 less women said yes. And that 27%, it went from a little over one out of three to a little over one out of four women that were saying at the end of the year, my mental health is excellent. Look what happens next. This is going to be a lot of fun. Wait for the, the awkwardness as we talk about politics. Political affiliation. Republicans. Now, you can imagine going from, from one situation to another situation in 2019 to 2020 that there was a large dip in excellent mental health. 56% started the year by saying, or all through December of 2019, said my mental health is excellent. By the end of the next year, 2020, that dropped 15 points. Politics play way too large a role in your mental health. We need a lot more Jesus and a lot less crazy political people. All right. I got enough yeses. I'll move on. Independence. They dropped 11 points to 32%. So the independents are like, yay. They're like, uh, 2020 was hard. Uh, Democrats. Hey, they only dropped by one and are the second most miserable uh, group that are, that are polled here, evidently. I know that's like, oh, I'm a Democrat. That offends me. I'm, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I, I actually love Jesus a lot more than politics. So if I'm offending you, I'm actually enjoying that. Don't, don't give me the joy of telling you truth and making me angry. Rob me of that joy. But the point of this is not just about Democrats and men and women. Um, the, the point of it is this. Religious services attendance uh, in 2019 versus 2020. Now, we know that in 2020, there's three months in Michigan where we weren't allowed to attend. Uh, that went out through all out uh, 2020 in some cases in California, for example. But, but here, look at this. Those who attended seldom or never dropped 13 points out of excellent into good uh, or very good, good, or fair or poor. It was excellent, good, fair, or poor. So they dropped out of excellent 13 
points less. Huge swing. Those who attended nearly weekly or at least monthly. So that'd be every other week or once a month or whatever, but nearly weekly. They dropped 12 points. I mean, so there wasn't much difference between people who who didn't go to church um, and those who went occasionally. Are you seeing this? You guys doing okay? The next statistic is very interesting to me because it talks about people who go to church weekly. And I, I want you to look at this. It actually went up four points from 42% saying my mental health is good to 46%. So let me ask you this. Why were people stronger emotionally at the end of one of the worst years of our lifetime and the one thing they had in common was not their gender, not their political persuasion, not which news channel they watch. There's no economic information on this. But simply by being together in a community of faith on a regular basis, they were actually better by the end of the year than everybody else was by not just four points, but in this case, 17 points or 16 points. Those who went to church occasionally versus those who are a regular part of a, of a household of faith. Now, I don't know if that's synagogues. I don't know if that's mosques. I don't know if that's churches. And I don't know if healthy people went to church and got healthier or sick people came to church and got healthier. I'm not sure if they're so healthy they went to church or they went to church and got healthy. Does that make sense? I, I don't want to be the statistic guy. Let's, like, figures lie and liars figure. So I don't want to be that guy who goes, see, all your problems will go away if you just come here every Sunday. I'm not that guy, but I am saying it is interesting that every other category from every other situation, the only category that went up were people that got together with people that had faith. There is something powerful about church. That's what I'm trying to say. There's something powerful about church. There's something powerful about coming together and singing, you're too good not to believe. There's something powerful about being in the room and hearing hundreds of voices raised saying, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. There's something important that takes place when we come together that does not take place when we watch what's happening on our phone. There's a difference between going to a football game and watching a game on television. If it's University of Michigan, it's usually comfort is one of the biggest reasons because they give you like eight inches for your 14-inch butt and... Right? Michigan State, there's plenty of room. Nobody likes them. But, but Michigan, they jam people in there jam them in there. Like everybody has to leave one at a time because there's no one, you, you just kind of squirt out and now you're stuck between the rows or whatever, right? But there's something about watching, I tell you, there's something even more. There's something different about watching it on TV than there is being in person. There's something different about being a Michigan football player. I'm telling you this, the more we get into what God is doing, the more what God is doing gets into us. And if we miss that because I just, I fell out of the habit or I'm not comfortable or people tick me off, or that person said something mean. I just, I, I, I want you to know something. People who've been there when are in a better position than people who weren't there when. And, and I say that from a, from a pastoral heart, not making my life easier, but, but I'm, I, my job is to lead you to still waters. My job is to lead you to green pastures. I'm telling you, everybody needs to be a part of a local church. Everybody needs to be a part of a group. Everybody needs to be a part of a family. Everybody needs to be a part of something that's moving towards heaven because if we don't have that. There's so much moving towards hell. It will grab a hold of us. It will poison us. It will separate us. The reason we're here is not because we all agree on politics, because we all agree on masks, because we all agree on, on vaccination, because we all agree on sports teams. The reason we're here is we all agree that Jesus is the solution for all of man's problems. And you can get that at home, but you can't get this at home. There's something that happens there when? Do you get that? People say, Pastor, I'm, I, you know, that's wonderful, but I'm doing really well. 
I'm having a great year. I found that I don't really need to go to church. Like it's, I, my needs are met. In other words, I like watching Craig Rochelle. He has less of a belly, bigger biceps. His sermons are shorter and it's just easier to listen to. It's like we're watching American Bandstand. You know, it's easy to dance to. I like the beat and I'll give it an eight. And everybody under 50 is like, look it up on YouTube right next to Mayberry. It'll be there. All right. But I'm doing really well. Here's a heart to heart moment. You ready? If you're doing really well, if you're doing really well, we need you to come back to Freedom Center Church because not everybody's doing really well. Um, one of the things that makes a church so powerful is it's God's place to bring abundance and lack into the same room. I'm doing really well. That's great. You're doing really well, but you are the light of the world. So I'm in the world. I, you don't understand. There, there's something that happens when we walk with people that are doing okay and we're not. There's something happened just a moment ago, and if you're watching on live stream, you, you weren't here for it. Maybe you participated at home, but we had that, that moment where it's like, hey, you know, I, if, if you need a miracle, raise your hand, and hands went up. And people that they didn't know and people that they did know got around them and began to pray for them. Why? Because my hand went up. I asked, I, I, I revealed my lack, and I asked for people's abundance to come into my life. You ever been so sick you couldn't pray for yourself? You ever been so discouraged? You couldn't pray for yourself? You ever been so depressed? You didn't want anybody to pray for you? Hey, I'm praying for you. It's like, I hate you too. Why, why would I be angry that you're praying for me? Because I don't have any hope and I'm enjoying my hopelessness. Leave me alone. How many of you know that in a family, there's always someone that makes you laugh? There's always someone that hugs you. There's always someone that discerns that your spirit has a dirty diaper today. And they come and that's where I'm going to end the analogy. It's been a tough year. Guys, we, we've had eight funerals in the last two weeks. We buried some dear friends. And I'm so glad when people who are grieving came to a room of people that had comfort. We've had cancer diagnoses. We've had divorces. I'm so glad that people that came in this room with their whole world falling apart met people who've been through the same hell but came out the other side victorious. And they were there to lift them up and to give them courage and advice. That's what courage, that's what encouragement is, is when I take what God has given me and I give it to you. When we take what God has given to us and we give it to others, that's encouragement, right? Who you are makes a difference in people's lives. I, I love this verse in Proverbs. It says, walk with the wise and you'll become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, I think we know what this means, but just let me give it to you in the 2021 vernacular. People who do life with wise people have done really well in the last year and a half. Can I get an amen? People that have walked with fools in the last year and a half, they have suffered the wages of foolishness. Can I, can I just be blunt? Can I just, can I, I'm blunt with you because they can't say yes. Can I be blunt? You asked for it. Here it comes. All right. People who've listened to fools for the last 18 months need wise people to help them get through this. I'm fine. I'm so sick of all the disasters and all the disease and all the discouragement and all the depression and all the anxiety of people. I'm going to buy my little place. I'm going to do my little thing. I'm happy in my world. Wonderful. But what would be even more wonderful is if you'd share that world with someone who didn't have a good last 18 months, who can't speak to their brother-in-law anymore and wouldn't know how to begin again. Those of you who are doing well, hear me, I need you. We need people who are healthy and strong to help people that are not yet healthy and strong. Where does wisdom come from? We've read the Proverbs, but I'd rather follow Solomon around for one day than to read Solomon's Proverbs for one year. It, it isn't the sermons. It isn't the information that changes our life. We know this, right? Name five sermons that have changed your life. 
Now name five people that have changed your life. We preach better sermons with our lives than I'll ever preach with my words. Proverbs says it this way. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I can't watch a commercial of a knife sharpener and have my knives be sharpened in my kitchen. There has to be contact. If you want to learn how to drive, you're 15, 14, in my case, 12, and just enjoyed it. You know, you want to learn how to drive? You can read all the books about driving. Now you can watch all the YouTube videos. See, I just related to young people. Wasn't that great? I just did it. Or you can look on the Facebook, right? And you can get what you want from there. You get information. But until your butt hits the seat and you feel the RPMs under your rear end, until you feel the kinetic energy, until you know how far to turn the wheel, doesn't matter how many feet in advance you need to signal a turn, until you're in that car, figure, sooner or later you'll figure it out. So what I'm saying is this, learning all you can learn by watching all the great orders on all the great topics, you will never be what they are until you go where they've gone. You got to walk with wise people. Iron sharpens iron. And, and there's other, another group, and this is my last one. They're like, Pastor, um, I am not the same person I was the last time I walked in that room. We had a funeral the other day for Valerie Carlton. Just, just peanut butter and jelly. Her and Dave for the last 25 years invested in a lot of people's lives. So when she passed away, a lot of people came to be a part of that day. People, you know, who have been a part of other congregations moved to other states. When they came back, though, we realized there was a lot of people. I kept trying to get my wife out of here, like, hey, babe, let's go. Hey, let's go do this. Let's go. She, but she was always in a conversation with another person, other person. And I said, what was all that about? She said, just people that I haven't seen, people that haven't seen other people in a long time. They walked in here, and through tears, they talked about how their marriages were destroyed. Through tears, they talked about how their lives were different. Through tears, they talked about all the loss and the, the sense of isolation. Like, the, the, the thought was, I feel misplaced in this world. I feel displaced from the, the place that I used to be. And she had to say, sweetie, the reason you feel misplaced and displaced is you're not in the right place. You're not there when. You're, you're at home, which is great. It's, it's a great supplemental thing. But if you have a chance to walk with Peter and Paul, you should. If you have a chance to walk with the wise, you should. But staying at home watching your favorite sermon when you feel like it for as long as you're awake, while you're watching this, while you're doing that, while you're washing your hair, while you're making eggs for the kids, you're, you're not, you might be getting information and inspiration, but there, there's no transformation that comes outside of communities. Does this make sense? This is why Jesus didn't write a book and say, read it. He said, follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Some might say, I'm not, I'm not doing really well. Let me just say this. You're not doing well. We need you back. This is what I've seen through the months of people kind of, recoming, you know, kind of coming back and restoring that, that ongoing thing. It's 100% of the time, and I'm not, without exception, the people that thought they'd be rejected because of the things they said or did or the stands they took or didn't, the angry, you know, slacktivists with all their thumbs and their, you know, the power of life and death is in the, the power of the thumb today. It used to be in the power of the tongue, but now there's a lot of death in our thumbs. And, and, I, and they're like, I couldn't go there. If I saw that person, I said such shareable things. Let me say this, 100% of the time, and this is not just in the last year. This is the last 25 years. I've never seen anybody that left this church angry, hurt, bitter, stupid, divisive. I mean, I'm going as far as I can go. I have people in my mind that you don't know, so don't think, I wonder if he's talking about him or talking about her. I'm talking about people you probably don't know. This is decades ago for some of this. But when they walk back through those doors, universally they were warmly welcomed by people that sincerely missed their face. Freedom Center Church is not good at everything. If we're good at anything, though, we are good at loving people. So I don't feel loved. Then you didn't meet Miss Pat on the way to church today. We've paid mortgages for people that hate our guts. 
They've shown up in hospitals where people are dying, praying for people that tried to purposely divide this congregation. I took the whole staff up to pray for a man who was dying, and he didn't die. God healed him, and today we've restored relationship. I'm just, I'm just trying to say this. I don't, we're not good at everything. You have an uneducated pastor, very inspirational, but not overly educational. Can I get a good amen? Yeah, most centers feel that way. But I'm just saying this. We're good at loving people. And I can't share all the stories, but I can share this. People are glad. They're just glad they came back to church. And so I say to you this. Like, hear me. We love you. If you agree with that, say amen. We need you. If you see that, say amen. <laughs> we miss you. Say amen, right? And this is what we're doing. Next week, we're asking you to come back to church. Next week, you say, I don't know. What about this? And what about that? And you said you're still mad about politics. I'm not mad. I'm, I'm so far not. I'm mad about people being mad about politics. I'm not mad at politics anymore. Well, what about this? What about that? You know, listen, we can always find a thousand things that divide our hearts, but there's only one that unites all of us, and that's Jesus. And so we're here to love God. We're here to love people. We're here to love to serve. And that's what we are doing here as a church next Sunday, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. We're, we're here for old and new friends. We're here with the smell of, of coffee. We're here with the sounds of grinding. We're here watching the kids run through the foyer and no old person saying, no running in church. We just run with them. We're outside. Music's already starting, but we're still outside talking in the parking lot because it's so good to see you. And How have you been? I haven't heard the first song on a worship set in months. And you say, well, well, you shouldn't say that. The pastor should be, and, and I will be. There's two services. But I love standing out front watching cars come in and people see each other. Listen, the greatest part of my Sunday is the altar call where people receive Jesus and the foyer where people get to see people. I, I'm just here to tell you guys, please hear me. Live stream's great, but it is an incomplete environment to complete the process of transformation in your life. Two Thursdays ago, a young lady came down into the water to be baptized and I said tell me your story she said I've been watching online and I gave my life to Jesus and I watched the 10 by 10 videos that you put up at the end of every service I watched all of them one of them was on water baptism and I knew that I wanted to get baptized and so I came here tonight in the middle of all of this and all these people to stand in front of strangers and to profess my love for Jesus you see how that happened she, she went from isolated individual God's moving God's doing stuff just like we read the Bible God's moving God's doing stuff God can use radio God can use television God can use print God can use words but God uses presence differently no one can remotely baptize somebody I think Jesus knew that when he established baptism as part of the deal like you someone has to physically put you under the water someone has to physically in community to profess your love for Jesus so here's my final thought why why did God create the church and I think the answer is is because we just something happens when we're together that will never happen when we're apart I I would say this if you're experiencing a burden right now and it's heavy and that's why you're not coming that I, I would just simply say this a burden shared is by definition 50% lighter if you're having a great time and you're celebrating a victory shared is 100% sweeter a burden bared is 50% lighter when I share it with somebody I trust and, and something great happening something great happening is 100% sweeter when I get to tell a friend that I just gave my life to Christ I'm so glad that I was there when Dina walked through the door I'm so glad I was there when John Yinger called on behalf of the board and said, would you entertain coming to Fenton to be our pastor? I'm so glad 
We were there when we came in this room and Pat Brady sitting right about there gave his life to Jesus. Went on to pastor one of our church plants. When people were inspired to start charter schools in Flint and go on the mission field, that didn't happen remotely. That happened where God was doing his stuff. God was there when people were there. People were there when God was doing his stuff. And so I'm just asking everybody that's you've been around, just, I, I know with travel and vacation, I realize there's got to be twice as many, three times, ten times as many people outside the confines of this room that are watching this or will watch this. But I'm telling you, next week we're going to dedicate babies together as a Christian community, as families. Next week we're going to preach the gospel. Next week we're going to get ready for a month of outreach in October. Next week we're going to welcome everybody that walks through those doors, no matter how long you've been gone, no matter if you've been doing great or you've been doing lousy. Next week, next week is going to be a brand new day at Freedom Center Church. And I hope that you'll do everything in your power to join us. And I just would ask the congregations here today, how many of you guys would like to see this place overfull next week with people we haven't seen in a long time? It's there God commands his blessing. Where will you be when God commands his blessing there? Would you close your eyes, please, all this room? Father, I pray for a depth that goes beyond my words that only the Holy Spirit can do in all of our hearts because it's not just people watching right now there's people here right now that yeah, I haven't seen old Fred in a while I haven't seen old Bill in a while I haven't seen old Ralph in a while we play an important role in making people feel loved and welcomed and wanted and valued it's not just your work you've delegated that work so often to us we pray if you put something on our heart right now God we'll take the reins and we'll do something about that if you put a face in our mind you bring someone to our attention sometime God We'll do what we can. We'll send a note. We'll send a text. We'll send a card. We'll send an email. We'll stop by and knock on the door. And we'll say, you've been missed in the house of God. You've been missed in the house of God. And I want you to come back with me. Save him a seat. Buy him a coffee. Welcome him home. So Father, I pray that today, you would just do what you, only you can do. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. And it's, it's strange that my expectation seems to have nothing to do with what you're about to do. Two weeks ago when I gave an invitation, my expectation was not that someone who'd, who'd you know, not walked with you for eight decades was going to raise his hand and say, today's my day. And now, God, I'm not aware of anybody that's like, this is my day, it's my day, but I, I know that you know. So if there are people here today, Father, that need to take you up on your invitation to be yours, to be forgiven, to come home, I pray that you would just draw them now, whether they're watching online, they're in this room. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Hear me. If you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, I love that this is a family. I love that great things have happened. I love that people are being baptized. But I need something far more personal than some sort of a corporate thing. I, I need God to be real to me, not just being a group of people that say God is real. I triple dog dare you <laughs> to take Jesus at his word. God so loves the world that he gave his son. Jesus Christ, so whoever, whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. If you're here today, if you're here today, you're like, man, uh, it's very simple. God, here's my heart. Here's my everything for your everything. Here's all my yesterdays and here's all my tomorrows in your hands now. That's you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And Jim, this is me. Today's my day. I'm going to ask you just a moment for you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you and we'll dismiss. Today's my day. Today's my day. I give my life to Jesus. That's you. I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you. God bless you. So glad. 
so glad. I know the sermon's going along, but I'm so glad we took that extra moment. Anybody else today? Today's my day. Thank you. Today's my day. Today's my day. Father, for every uplifted hand, it's attached to an open heart. And that open heart should come in and erase all my yesterdays and birth all my tomorrows. So I pray you'll do that now in every life, in every life now in Jesus' name. We love you. And we receive gratefully your mercy. And we'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet, please, if you would. All over this room. Um, I've gone long. I don't know how long I went because it was fun for me. I, I, hope, I hope you didn't realize how long I went. Next week, I will end on time. I'm not saying who sets the timer, but I will end on time. May God just bless your socks off. Go be a blessing. Remind people that they're missed in the house of God. And I will see you again soon. Live long, prosper. God bless you. You're dismissed.